0: seated. I don't know who's on the computer but I didn't give you any scriptures because I'm not totally sure where this is going. So we're just going to go step at a time. That's all the Lord's promised us is the next step. Hallelujah. Um, let's try Isaiah 55 and verse 8 now some of you have never been in a meeting like this before this is my almost full 21st year In 1997, I had been longing to be a part of this kind of a meeting for many, many years. I had read about the meetings that our pioneers had in the uh, early, early part of Pentecost where uh, they would gather and They wouldn't even know who was going to speak. They would just pray, and the Lord would say, okay, you're speaking. And and it was amazing. And we started the first one of those, had the first one of those meetings in uh, February of 97. And uh, the name changed uh, after a few years because of situations, but... The meeting stayed the same. And then uh, they were called for uh, many years, manifest meeting. And then uh, Brother Steve Willoughby asked me to do a manifest meeting in Singapore in March of 2011. And uh, when I got there, uh, there were some great men of God present and he asked me to kind of Direct the team, and uh, it became really obvious right away when each man would, as the Lord said, your turn, your turn, your turn. When each man got up to speak without any consulting in advance, we were all talking about spiritual warfare with no consulting in advance. And after Two nights and a day, it became really obvious to me that the Lord was doing something specific here. We started on a Monday night, went five nights, four days. And uh, the day sessions were shorter than this. They were about seven hours. That's sarcasm. It always cracks me up when people get worn out sitting. <laughs> like, give me a break. You've been sitting for four hours and you're tired. Oh, poo. Is it that sad? Boo hoo hoo. <laughs> so, day sessions were seven, eight hours. Okay. And then we came back in the evening after taking about a two-hour, three-hour break, and we start again. And I I got the guys together early Wednesday morning. I said, "Guys, I really believe the Lord is doing something very specific here. This is what I feel. If you're in agreement," and I told them, "I said we will teach today on spiritual warfare on purpose. And then Thursday and Friday we will have two days of warfare." There were 19 nations present from around Asia and other places. And those last two days, we wore together nation by nation for nine plus hours a day for two full days. We've barely broken the six-hour mark combined. Now, today, we're probably going to do that. But it was the most amazing thing. But in that process, we had a manifest meeting scheduled here for November of uh, 2011. And the Lord said, manifest is no more. Uh, You're going to do a meeting called Call to War and that's how Cold War came about this is the seventh of those meetings no two of them have been exactly alike and quite frankly uh, these have been pretty easy meetings to have because meet and manifest meetings uh, we would be either in prayer together praying for one another or teaching twelve 14, a couple of days, 16 hours a day. And that's no lie. There's people here that was there and they can verify exactly what I'm saying. And people would go home so changed. <laughs> my good friend sitting in the middle here came to that meeting, one of the most traditional Pentecostals I've ever seen in my life, and left one of the most apostolic minded people I've ever seen. In fact he was so different when he got home his wife didn't know who he was the church didn't know who he was and it must have taken because that's been since 97 so that must have been a work of god right so um, what we've learned is after, it takes about a good two days for you to get tired enough to finally let God work. Because while people aren't tired, they debate with you in their minds and that blocks stuff from getting in their spirit. But when you finally get tired enough, you're too tired to sit there and fuss with what's being done and said. Your spirit opens. And the transference is not into your brain. It's right into your spirit. And that's when our impartation takes place. And it will take your brain a few weeks or months at least to catch up with what God has done in your spirit. We began to make that transition this afternoon. Uh, but we are transitioned Now, those of you that have been a part of every meeting, you're tired. Praise God. So here goes. As if it's five and eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. He's not talking about sinners here. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to people that profess faith in him. That profess to be one of his children. And he is acknowledging that there is a problem. And the problem is the conflict between His thoughts and our thoughts. His ways and our ways. But then he says this. I read these verses last night in a hurry. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither. But watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. (laughs) So shall my word be. Whatever verse 10 says happens naturally, the parallel is that his word will do spiritually what rain does in verse 10 naturally. Now, let's read verse 10 again. This is what God said. Now, we're going to read it backwards now. We're going to, we know, verse 11 says, So shall my word be. So shall my word do. So what is it his word is going to do? For as, in the same manner, or according to the same principle, the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. Next verse. So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the... In the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, how do we get this out of the Bible? Into here. Into here. And out through here. How do we do that? Because we don't do too good a job of that. I've said this already. But the Lord must know there's a different crowd or somebody didn't get it the first time. One of the primary differences between Pentecostals and apostolics is how they pray. And it's not even remotely similar. Pentecostals ask. They ask God to do what he already commanded them to do. Lord, I ask you to heal this person. Lord, I ask you to raise this person up. Lord, I ask you to do this. Lord, I ask you to do that. That's not prayer. It's not spiritual. It is unbelief. When he has already given us the word of authority to speak to those situations, not autonomously, but as a conduit to allow his word and therefore his authority A a, a conduit from heaven into earth. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I was hoping I didn't have to go back to this basic again, but here we are. According to the Spirit, here we are. We need to be purged, thoroughly purged, body, soul, spirit, mind, life, vocabulary of, of traditional non-biblical Pentecostalism. And one of the most harmless sounding things we say is so repulsive to God, you cannot... I, I, from my, I would say you cannot imagine... I I could not imagine how repulsive it was till he began to show me that when he heard his people talk about living for him and working for him. It is a stench in the nostrils of God because it is contrary to everything he said, everything he established, and everything he intends to do. He said, if I needed anything, I wouldn't ask you. There's not a thing you can do for God. There is nothing you can do for God. There is nothing you can do for God. You're going to live for God? That's in His way. Because Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ Liveth in me. While you're living for God. You're in the way of Christ living through you. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God. And the prepositional phrase of possession. Of the son of God. Is not violated in the word. If I change the noun into the possessive form. And the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the son
1: of God's faith. Because when I die to me and I let Christ live, then the faith being lived through me is no longer mine. I become a conduit
0: for the Son of God's faith in the earth. And while I'm living for God and working for God, I am in the way of Christ living through me, and I'm in the way of Christ working through me. I'm in his way. I've got self, my thoughts, and my ways in his way. And I've already said it, but you can always tell. You can always tell when the religious Pentecostal Has got something that goes wrong in their life. You can always tell. Because when it goes wrong, and wrong, of course, is their attitude and idea of wrong. As if God's not in control. As if He's not in charge of everything. As if the devil is a sovereign power that can work without permission. After all I've done for you, you let this happen. You just declared what side you're on, Pentecostal, because you're not apostolic. And you prove that you've been living for God and working for God, thinking you're earning something. Because you come to church three times a week, and you keep all the rules, and you're a good person. And that means bad stuff can't happen to you. Even though poor old Jesus, he didn't get the memo because he said the last words he said to the church before he went out and prayed and was crucified or taken and crucified, in the world you shall have tribulation. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now let me tell you what happens when he's in charge. If he's in charge, there's going to be times when the rain comes down on your house and the winds blow and the floods rise. Why would he do that? Because he's trying to let the world see the difference between the house built on the rock and on the one on the sand. And the only way he can do that is let it rain on your house. And the only way he can do that is let the wind blow on your house. And the only way he can do that is let the flood come to your house. But if I'm a Pentecostal
1: and I'm going to be offended with God because of the rain and the wind and the flood,
0: then I'm in this for me, not for the kingdom. So what does that mean? Verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's look at John 6.63. Here it is. It is my programs that bring revival. It's our good choir and our good preaching that brings quickening. The spirit, the word profits nothing for me. That's that's sarcasm for the point of making a contrary point to what the word says to get you to think. Because the problem we all have is we Those many who read the word read it so much they don't even really notice anymore what it says because their brain fills in what they think it says. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh Profiteth. Not my words. I didn't write it. And you can spend your life trying to prove God wrong. But it sure is a waste of a good life. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. I wanted to go over the pass, but we're still down in the valley in the first gear. I thought we were ready to go through the mountain pass already into a new place. We're going to get there tonight. I just can't guarantee what time that will be. I don't say stuff like that to be sarcastic or cute. If you really know what you're listening to, I'm trying to tell you, adjust your expectations. Because if you've got a time you think we're supposed to be done, <laughs> it would be a bit blessing to you and everybody else here if you, if you really have a time that you think we, we really ought to be done. It would be a blessing if you'd go ahead and go. I'm not being unkind. I'm just simply saying, your going spirit is conflicting with our coming spirit. Hello? Your time limit spirit is conflicting with those that are here saying, okay, Lord, whatever you got, I want it. I want it all. I want it. Whatever that takes for me to do to get there and you to do to get me there, so be it. And if your time limit spirit is conflicting with the spirit of the hungry that does don't have time limits on God, that's not telling Him how to work, when to work, and how quick to work, then we're not in one mind, one accord, are we? I can just see it now. Somebody that managed to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning on the day of Pentecost saying, okay, fellas, this is really good, but i got to go feed the animals. So I'm out of here at 8. No, you see, the period of time between the promise, the, the instruction at the ascension, and the outpouring was long enough that it sifted 380 plus people out of the group because above 500 saw him ascend and only 120 were actually there when it happened. What was the purpose of the delay? Hello? What was the purpose of the delay? For God to do what he wanted to do he needed a group that was together in one mind and one accord. And it took that delay where we could debate whether it was days, seven days or 10 days. It took that delay to sift the crowd to get all the people who wanted it on their time frame, wanted it as it fit into their agenda, wanted it as it was convenient to their calendar. It took, That long to sift them completely out of the picture so that the ones that were there at six o'clock in the morning on the day of
1: Pentecost were there for the long haul. Oh God
0: among other reasons why our church services rarely ever see all that God wants to do is because people come to church leaving. They come allotting in their minds, subconsciously or subconsciously, X amount of time because we've conditioned them to expect to get out at such and such a time. And we say we're being considerate but what we're really doing is placating flesh. Brother Nathaniel Urshan told me this. Some of you heard this story from him and others and myself. He told me this personally. He said his his father, Andrew Urshan, who was an apostle, he said the things my, my dad was known well for didn't happen in church services. The miracles, the prophecies, they didn't happen in church services. He said what he learned to do was He learned to have quick church. He'd have quick church to placate those that weren't there because they were hungry for God. And when he finally, when he did enough so he could justify dismissing them, he would send everybody home. But then he'd say this. Those of you that would like, I'm going to stay for a while and just pray and wait on God. Those of you that would like to stay and wait with me, Wait on the Lord and pray together. I'll be here. Brother Nathaniel Urshan said his dad called that the second service. And that's when it all happened. Because those people were there out of hunger, not out of obligation. I need that verse on the screen, please. I'd like it burned into their brain. You know how the older computer screens, if you left an image on too long, it'd burn it right into that screen. And then it was always there. And sometimes you couldn't see it there till you turned the computer off, and then that image would be right there on that screen that was powered off. That's exactly what I want John six sixty three 63 to do. If I can get that up there, please. Do me a favor, please, from now on, don't take a script scripture off the screen until I ask to go to the next one. Thank you. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth. The Greek there is not even one thing. Not even one thing. Not even one thing. Your flesh can add nothing to God. Your character, your intellect, your education, your experience, your abilities can add absolutely nothing to God. At the expense of it sounding like a cliche, the only ability of yours God wants is your availability. He doesn't need any other ability of yours. Just your availability. To be a conduit. Where you've gotten out of his way. Here. 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 In your. In all that you got out of his way. And you said here I am. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to say. I'm yours. That can happen. To a child who's so small that he hears a voice in the night saying, Samuel. And he gets up and runs into the high priest's room. You called? No, I didn't. And that child hears, child hears, Samuel. And he goes running into the high priest's room. Ooh, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> And I think it was two or three times before the high priest finally got the message. And said. It's God talking to you. Say here I am I. Now if Eli had been at all sensitive. He would have known what was coming. Because one of the greatest curses. That God ever spoke against Israel. He spoke through a small child because he prophesied the doom of Eli's household through a small child that wasn't even sophisticated enough to know how significant what he heard and repeated to Eli was. And the words of that child came to pass exactly as they were spoken. My dad was in in the Korean war he was gone. I was five or so. My brother was two and a half and my dad had been gone a while, and my mother would occasionally let us sleep in her bed at night. And one night I woke her up with a dream that is still so vivid to me. I can see it in my own mind and spirit right this moment. And in this dream, this church that we were attending, I saw the building and the building was built right up to the sidewalk of the highway. It was only about a 10 foot sidewalk from the front door to the street. Big building, but it was, that's the way they did it then. And everybody in that church was on that sidewalk and I was kind of in a, Not out from them up enough I could see all the faces in this dream. And I heard this voice come up hither and I watched those that went and those that didn't go. And I woke up and told my mother the dream and named every individual who didn't go. And to my knowledge, while I am not the judge, to my knowledge every one of those people died in a lost condition and I was five I didn't have the Holy Ghost it was another seven years before I even received the Holy Ghost but we want to play church we want to be nice little Pentecostals Is it burned in your brain yet? It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth. Nothing. The words. The Greek word there is rhema, not logos. Logos is the forever settled word. The I am God became, expressed himself as logos. Because the I am God could not be a part of time and space. He's bigger than all of that. He's beyond all of that. Everything is in him. So he couldn't be (laughs) directly in that which would limit him. And time and space limits him. So he is unlimited. So he has to work through the expression of himself which is called logos into the earth. But logos, when it is quickened by the spirit in a specific situation to a specific individual... Or as a prophecy of what's coming. Then is called. Rhema. Rhema and Logos are not separate. They're not independent. Logos is the judge of Rhema. Because Rhema can never be Rhema. Unless it's in total harmony with Logos. And there's a lot of people. That read Logos. And speak Logos. It never gets quickened in them. Because. Romans 10.17 says... And don't put it on the screen. I want this staying right there. Thank you very much. Romans 10.17 says... Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the rhema of God. So I don't have faith when I read Logos. I can have trust. Logos, reading Logos, if I receive it in faith... Receive it because I believe it's true and this is God's word and it's sovereign. That can teach me to trust my father. But I don't have faith because I read Logos. It has to be quickened to me for my situation. I don't agree with that. Then where's your ark? Because it would be just as valid to go start building an ark because you found it in Logos. As to claim you get faith from reading Logos. I'm not diminishing Logos. I'm simply saying, Logos is written, it's the entire plan. It's all that God knows, thinks, everything. And I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about Logos. Everything of the I am that could be in contained in time and space or expressed in time and space is all contained in logos. And logos is not affected by time or space. It's not dated. It can't be out of, made obsolete by culture or time or, or industrialization or technology. But for logos to affect me. It has to be quickened by the spirit to me. Or for me to be used in ministry. Logos has to be quickened in me. For me to speak through logos. Or logos to be spoken through me. Paul said. Or excuse me. Uh, yeah Paul said. That David said. That he had believed. Therefore he spoke. And Paul said. I believe. Therefore I speak. Because that, Paul said, is the spirit of faith. Second Corinthians four, I think it's verse thirteen. And then
1: <laughs> Oh God help us. Hmm.
0: Having the same spirit of faith according to the written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. What you can't speak, you don't believe. And if you believe it, you will speak it. Period. End of story. No other discussion. It's that simple. Well, I believe it. No, you're not believing it. Do you speak it? Do you speak it regularly? Do you confess your faith in it? I was in uh, the Park meeting in California a couple of weeks ago, and Brother Eli Hernandez was the evening speaker, and I've known Brother Hernandez for years. I've just never been in a situation where I crossed paths in ministry with him. And I spoke in the day, and he was in the evening. And and uh, I'd never heard him speak, actually. And that night, the first few minutes, I, I I wasn't understanding what he was saying, because I was listening at a normal level. And then all of a sudden, my spirit discerned. Whoa. This man's not talking here. He's not talking here. He's talking about this deep over here. He's talking deep. I mean, he was spitting out some principles that were just amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how many people are getting this. And then I remembered... He knows he's not talking to minds. He's not worried about them understanding this. He's speaking this into their spirit. And when they need understanding of it, God will give give them that. But he said a couple of things. That's I love it when God says the same thing through somebody, but he says it in a different way. I love that. And so he said... It's time for us Pentecostals to quit praying from earth to heaven. We need to start praying from heaven to earth. He said, the problem is we need to activate the word
1: and the word is not activated till it's spoken.
0: Mary says, Mary didn't have faith in Jesus till the wedding. Canaan oh yes she did no she kept hiding stuff in here she never spoke that stuff the first time she spoke any faith was when he said what do I have to do with you and she says whatever he tells you to do do it that's the first time she spoke faith in who and what he was she'd been hiding that stuff in your heart I don't care what you believe in here. It's worthless. You're holding it prisoner. You've got it captive. You won't let it work because you're trying to protect yourself in case you say it and it doesn't happen and you would be embarrassed. The heart believes but the mouth confesses. And again the word confess there is homologio which means to speak in agreement with. So when God says it in here, and I know that's God, the automatic response is supposed to be comes out of here where I am agreeing because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And if I have it in here and believe it in here, then it's
1: got to come out of here.
0: And I'm saved and I never tell a sinner that. And I believe God can save and I never speak that to a sinner. I never speak that out loud. Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. I never speak that. I claim I believe that, but I never speak that. Speaking that to each other is not faith. Whatever's going to be working in somebody's life is probably already working. Somebody sitting here. You can come confess that out to these folks all you want. And they're going to go, oh, that's nice. That's really nice. But to somebody that needs that, you're speaking the word of faith, which is a seed of faith spoken in them. Oh, Jesus. It is written, I believe and therefore I've spoken. We also believe and therefore speak Brother Shelton was here a couple of years ago in a service. and The Lord spoke to me and I said, tonight, when you get in the pulpit, you're not going to say one thing. It's a sermon. When you take the mic... And open your mouth. It will be prophecy. Until you stop. And when you speak it. Do not speak it in the third person about God. But speak it for what it is. In the first person as God. And he kind of gave me that look that says. Okay boss but. I don't feel that. And I knew. I he speaks Bishop, while well, I speak Shelton. <laughs> yeah. And so, I said, I don't care whether you feel it now. I don't care if you don't feel it till you pick up the microphone. But it's going to happen. My, 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 my. There was a rhema released into the spiritual atmosphere here that was so amazing. It was amazing. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are, they're what? Spirit and Life, they are spirit and they're life I can speak words that there's no spirit behind I can speak the most gentle kind loving words that have no spirit behind them and they produce death I can speak the hardest word you've ever heard in your life but if the spirit is speaking it it produces life and paul said it that's John 663 whoever's on the screen if i become a conduit of Rama i become a conduit for spirit words that produce spirit and life i don't mean produce spirit meaning create spirit but produce a conduit for the spirit to work. And when the spirit works, life is produced if God is allowed to do what he wants to do. If I'm going to have church, if I just got to do the traditional thing, The least I can do is to make sure that every word that is said in the hearing of the people is spirit and life and not intellect and not performance and not trying to impress people, not wanting people to like me. That means every note that's played. Should be played in the spirit and not in human ability and flesh, that every praise singer is not up here to be seen and try to get over where the camera gets them in the in the stream, okay they're not here to be heard or seen, but they're here because what they're singing and playing is spirit and life because it's Rama. And everything that's done in a service that is not the Spirit speaking and doing is producing death. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And since I can't create life, I have to let Rhema be the one speaking through me to create that life. And without Rhema, I am speaking death. I don't care what I'm saying. It can be the most positive message that you've ever spoken in your life. But if it originated with you, even if you're quoting logos, even if your message is full of logos, if God didn't speak it, It's not Ramah, and you're speaking death. We're going someplace. How about a verse that, boy, you talk about controversial. Isaiah 45 and verse 11. Isaiah 45 and 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me.
1: Oh, we can't command God.
0: Oh, that's really good, spoken like a true Pentecostal. Oh, Mr. Devil, please, if you don't mind, would you please, could you please, please come out of this person? Uh, That's probably too far, isn't it? I don't think so. sorry I don't think so unfortunately I've seen it close to that I really have that's even when a Pentecostal living even acknowledges something as a demonic spirit because most of the time we want to deny that because if we said it was a spirit then we got to try to do something about it because these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall cast out devils and if I acknowledge that's a demon then I've got to either I got to demonstrate that I've got faith by casting out that devil. So if I just deny that it's the devil, then I don't have to reveal the fact I don't have faith to cast one out. And so, I don't believe everything's the devil. But I read the verses last night. God said, through Paul, if our gospel's hid, it's hid than them the lost, in whom the God of this world, the God of this world, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, believe not. And then he said in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, that the, that the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience is the prince of the power of the air. And then he says in chapter six, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of, the, uh, of darkness and wicked spirits in the atmosphere. Here's the problem. I'm made in my substance lower than the angels. And demons are fallen angels. And they are spirit beings. And I've got flesh. And the Lord remembers my frame. How weak it is. We're just all dirt balls. We're made out of dust. And dust is actually the particles on the surface of the ground. When mixed with water becomes clay, we're just a bunch of clay pots. Earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, so the excellency of the power will be of God and not of us. But we Pentecostals, we don't like that, so we're constantly trying to prove that's wrong. And we don't believe what Paul said, when he said, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Because we're determined to prove how good we are. But I got news for you. Do you think I'm standing up here holding this microphone because I'm good? <laughs> You're kidding, right? Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Woo that washes white as snow. Yeah. I have one basis for worthiness to stand here before you. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have no other basis. And whether you're aware of this or not, or whether you think I'm aware of this or not, I'm not speaking these things representing me and my goodness and how I've got it all together. I'm a conduit and he can say whatever he wants to say. And that's not saying I'm looking down at you because I'm st- all this stuff is still working. I've told this story before. I like it because of its shock value. I went to Singapore in September of 2009. Brother Willoughby wanted me to come teach on shame. He said, Asians have so much shame. And I said, Asians? You're kidding, right? That's what I said to them. I said to him, I understand that Asians don't like to be shamed. Oh, so the rest of us in the world, it's okay with us? There's just Asians that don't want to be shamed? I don't know any place in the world where people have, a, have no problem with shame or being shamed. So anyway, I didn't know what was coming. By the time I got home... I had a trip scheduled in six weeks to go back to Singapore, go to Malaysia, and go to Indonesia. Ooh, that's a 12-hour trip. Takes me, even back then, way back then, eight years ago. Took me days, days just to begin to feel human. So when I go over there to minister, I have to go five to seven days in advance just so that I can finally get past all this jet lag and, and be able to have confidence. I can be sensitive in the spirit because I'm not exhausted. And so and then I minister all that time and I come home and I've got jet lag and all that that's going out. And so I come home and I'm it takes me a couple of weeks even to begin to feel normal again. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going back and doing this longer this time. So I went. God did awesome stuff. But when I got home, I had a trip scheduled back to that area for uh, for January, one for March and one for May. And at the time, it felt like God. But when I got home, it wasn't Chester. I didn't want it. I didn't like it. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this. Let somebody do this that thinks it's some big deal to do this. That it makes them some big somebody. I don't need to do this. I feel all as big I need to feel sitting in my recliner. Ask the lovely lady in the back. That's absolutely the truth. So I got home. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to go. Two months, I'm going to go again? Are you kidding me? How would I get into this? This little voice in the back said, God, forget that. So I determined to, I couldn't tell him no. I knew I couldn't tell him no. So I determined to change his mind. And it was an easy way to do that, in my opinion. I just wouldn't pray. Surely he wouldn't send somebody who didn't pray. I'm telling you the truth. So I didn't pray the first week. He never said a word. He didn't rebuke me. He didn't encourage me. He didn't say, well, we'll talk about it. He didn't say a word. So this forehead he gave me like he gave Jeremiah that's harder than everybody else's, it did not work on him, but I tried. So, I went another whole week without prayer. When I tell you by now, the covering was lifted off the flesh. The grace of God that I claim every day wasn't working. Flesh was having a blast. And I'm getting worried. And he says nothing. And so I'm so stubborn. And so unwilling to do this, but knowing I can't disobey him in refusing to go. I know this is convoluted. I'm not praying, so, right? But this is the way my warped brain was working at the time. So I go three weeks. He says nothing. Not the slightest bit of conviction. Not the slightest bit of threat or warning. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm thinking, boy, I may may have blown it. Has he just rejected me? And I'm really starting to get concerned for me right now. Because my salvation is in jeopardy. Because the only thing I was praying every day was repentance. And I had a lot to repent of. Because as I said already in this meeting... That the worst sins that an apostolic commits are not the ones they do, but the stuff they don't do. And I wasn't doing anything. So, I stubbornly decided to give it one more week. So now, I not only come home exhausted, but I cut myself off from the source of rest and refreshing. And so, after four weeks, I not only am in the worst mental and emotional and spiritual condition i 've been in in a while, but i 'm exhausted and finally yeah here 's Peter in the boat right don 't you care don 't you care i 'm about to be lost <laughs> aren 't you going to say anything? He said, yes, I'm saying something. You're going. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. Not one iota. I'm telling you the truth before God. That's the first thing he said to me. You're going. And I said, how?
1: How can you see me do this? Haven't you seen what I've been doing for four weeks?
0: He said, you're going. I said, well, if I'm the if I'm the be- I said this. If I'm the best, you've got to go do that. You're hurting. He said, you're going. Oh, and by the way, everything you've struggled with in your flesh for the last four weeks, stuff you've prayed to be gone, and when you're walking with me, you have no problem with it. Don't ever ask me to take it away again. I'm never taking it away. The only way you won't struggle is to walk in my spirit. Because when you go and you're going, and I use you and I'm going to use you, everybody else can be impressed, but you and I will know who really did this. And I tell that story as the Holy Ghost leads. And I look at Pentecostals, horrified. Oh my God, how does he even have a license? Simple, I haven't committed adultery. You can pretty much keep your license for everything else. Oh, I remind you again, I'm a district superintendent. I'm not speaking without experience. Yeah. Now, we're going to let a lot of stuff slide or we're going to slap wrists for a lot of stuff. But you commit adultery, you're done with us, buddy. Woo, it's over with. You're anathema. I'm stopping that. That's what I just said was as far as the Spirit's going, and I started to go farther. He said, nope. I said that, but you're not saying more. Okay, all right. I just work here. So, thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and His Maker asked me of things to come concerning my son's Is any sons of God in the house? Okay. Anybody interested in the stuff that's coming? Have you been asking about it? Or are we just playing Pentecostal survivalists? I've never seen in that series. It's stupid to me. We're out here surviving in the jungle. Yeah, what are those camera crews eating? This is reality television. If there's a camera, there's electricity, there's running water someplace. And if you watch that stuff, well, I guess if you do Facebook, you'd watch that stuff too, right? So, Because both of those are just about the same amount of waste of time, right? But we're Pentecostal survivalists. That's all we're, we're doing every day. We're just trying to hang on until the end. We're just hanging on. Like that dear old sister when I was a kid. I've heard this a couple different places, but, you know, devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. Heard and a few others like that convinced me that once, if I ever became a pastor, there would never be a testimony service. <laughs> and there has never been a testimony service in 47 years at Antioch. If you're asked to testify, you're asked to testify. And I know what you're going to say. Because we're not going to bless his holy name. Meaning the other name. Or I've been in the way 50 years. Oh, Lord. I was a kid, see. I just, and, and my brain works literally. It really does. Ask my poor wife. It, it works literally. And so when you get up and say, I've been in the way 50 years, my brain says, I've been watching that. <laughs> yeah, Everything the Holy Ghost has been trying to do, you've been in the way of. So I can't believe you'd get up and tell everybody that. And then I got older and realized she was meaning something else. But I thought she was just telling everybody she was opposing everything. Huh. And concerning the work of my hands, command you me. Really? We can't command God. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I tell you what, since we are not supposed to be involved, anybody here want baptizing? I'd like to see God do that. If man's not supposed to be involved, and you need water baptized, I'd like to see God do it. Hey, can I be there? I'd like to watch that. We can't command God. But a man, we preach and believe that a man's eternal destination. That a man's got to be involved enough to bury the dead person. Because dead people can't bury themselves. And water baptism. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Just I got to go off on a little rabbit trail here because there's some very special people here to me. That don't believe this. And I just want them to see that I'm not spouting this off without nothing, okay? So, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, please. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized. Into his death. This is not talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is life. This is water baptism. Which is a type of being buried. The old man who dies in repentance. Is buried in water baptism. Because it is a demarcation line. It it marks the line between the past and the future. Therefore... We are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. Next verse. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Next verse. Knowing this. That our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So in repentance, I am, te- I am receiving the benefits of the crucifixion, that even as he died on the cross for sins, he died for my sins. And that crucifixion is mine, and I appropriate that by faith and repent Dying out to the old man because repentance is change of mind, change of direction. It's not just being sorry for your sins. Because even a thief is sorry when he's caught. But that old man, we do this. We don't leave dead people laying around. It's a line of demarcation. And that's burial. The old man is put in the water as a spiritual act of obedience, as a line of demarcation. I was crucified with him. I'm now buried with him. And after that, I'm resurrected by the Spirit, by the baptism of the Spirit to rise and walk in newness of life. Now back to my point. We apostolics believe that water baptism, since it is that line of demarcation, since it is that point where I'm expressing the faith that the cross has let me and benefited me in dying to all of the past, we know water baptism is essential. But it can't, it's not done by God. And the dead person can't bear themselves. So right in the middle of Acts 2.38, God puts something that a man's got to be involved in. And we are baptized. King James, wonderful book. Even if it is an Anglican Bible. Translated by Anglicans. No, I got no problem with them, I'm just telling you, it's not a Protestant Bible. It's an Anglican Bible. Authorized by the Anglican king, who was the head of the Anglican church, with an appointed group of Anglican scholars who translated it. I'm not criticizing, I'm just stating fact. Facts that we ignore. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. King James commanded, commanded that the scholars translate the original languages into the language of the common man. But they had a problem. If they had translated the Greek word, baptizo, they would have had to translate it, repent and be immersed fully immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But because the Anglicans believed in sprinkling, they had to get permission from the king to not translate that word. So they brought the Greek word into the English so that they could define the Greek word their way. Therefore, the confusion today over the, what the what baptism is simply because it wasn't translated it was transliterated okay but god put a man right in the middle of that If he's doing all this without human involvement, he kind of had an ups there. Maybe, poor old God, he was tired at the time. Maybe he just let that one slip by or maybe he didn't think it through very well. And Now he doesn't know how to take it back because he can't change it. So he said it. And we want to believe that God's going to do all this without us doing anything, with us being observers and spectators. And God's got an oops. It wasn't his only oops. Because when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray, he told them to pray for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And my question to you is this. If God's going to do all this himself, why in the world does he need me to pray? For his will to be done on earth. If he's going to do this independent of human agency. And our involvement is not a part of the plan. Then why in the world my friend. Do we or does he command us to pray every day. To speak his will into the earth. The will of God as it's already been purposed in heaven. Has to be spoken into the earth. Not ask, oh God, please do your will. The Greek word is in the tense of command. Thy will be done. Or be done, thy will. Has its purpose in heaven, in the earth? Oh, whoops. That sounds like we're commanding God. Commanding God, whoo. Or maybe God's doing the commanding and we're just the conduit. Maybe. You think? Why is this a problem? It's a promise problem, dear one, because so few of us practice that at all during a normal day. We don't do it. We don't do it. After this manner, pray ye. The Greek word there, pray ye, is in the imperative tense, which is the tense of command. It is not an option. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. This is how I want you to pray. Not the repeating of the words, but God speaking through you as a conduit from heaven into earth through his body. We fast. We pray. We get promises. We put them on the shelf. We polish them up every day. We keep them dusted. We pay homage to them. We just don't speak them. We don't speak them. So it never gets activated. It should get ap- activated. And the, when the word's not activated, the word's not working. I said this today until he began to show me this personally a few years ago. The only way I got here was that he had shown me the importance of praying in tongues and you know I don't know what to pray for as all, so therefore the spirit helps my infirmities. He helps me to put into words what I'm feeling in here that my brain doesn't understand and I don't know what to pray for. But my spirit has some idea, but my mind doesn't. And so he showed me to do that. And so I have focused on doing that for years. And I've been like The first trip I made to minister overseas was in 1984. It was in Blantyre, Malawi, Africa. And... uh there was a man there. Wow. He's in the services. And when I tell you from here up, there wouldn't be any male anywhere that wouldn't envy this guy. His muscles had muscles. He was cut. He had arms. He had a shoulders. He had a chest. That absolutely was amazing. There was a problem. From here down. He had the legs of a five-year-old child. That were useless. And deformed. And he had all those muscles. Because that's the only way he got around. Because his arms weren't just arms. They were his mobility. And he learned how to push up. And swing his useless legs forward. And he'd land on them and move his arms forward. And he would do that over and over again. And that's how he moved around. And that reminds me of so many Pentecostals. Boy, there's parts of us that's so powerful. But then there's parts of us just that aren't working. And without us being holy gods. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy his and without us being whole so that all of the parts work according to Ephesians chapter 4 all the parts working like they're supposed to work then stuff doesn't happen by the way he did receive the baptism of Holy Ghost that trip but God didn't fix his legs So, here we are. Here we are. Mark chapter 11. I think I'm probably going to need to start. 20. Let's try 18 and I'll see if that's it. We'll read Mark chapter eleven eighteen. Uh... Let's go back up a couple and I just want the context here. And they come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold, brought, uh, that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the, he, and overthrew the tables of money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Keep, keep, just keep going until I tell you stop. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, it is not written. Is it not written that my house should be called a house, uh, called, a, of all nations, the house of prayer? But you have made it in the thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared because all the, people aston- were, all the people was astonished at their doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So I didn't go far enough past because they were passing by the fig tree going into Jerusalem. And he spoke to the fig tree and said, Never again will anyone eat fruit off of you. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest. He didn't use profanity on it. He just spoke negatively to it. And when you're speaking in his authority... What you say will come to pass. So life and death are in the power of the tongue, such as when you say to your child because they spill their milk, what is wrong with you? Are you stupid? Can't you do anything right? You just cursed your child. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Peter calling, remembered, saith him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou curses is withered away. You ready? Here we go. Next verse. Jesus answering, Jesus answering, what is he answering? The fact that they were astonished that he just simply walked by a fig tree and said, no leaves, no no leaves, but no figs. Never again will anybody eat fruit on you. And he went on. There was no thunder. There was no lightning. There was no strobe lights. There were no trumpets. There were no angelic hosts coming down out of heaven saying, God has spoken, tree, you are dead. No. He walks by the fig tree and says, that's it. I'm hungry. You got no figs. Never again. It didn't look one bit different after they passed by than before he spoke. But here they come back by later and the fig tree's dead and they comment on this. And so Jesus answering their amazement that the fig tree is dead by him doing nothing but speaking to it, he said, have Faith in God. Now we're still he's still in the same conversation. He's still instructing. When we go to the next verse now, he's still instructing. For verily, for is in other words, okay, I'm still talking. Have faith in God, for because of this, by this on this account, by this. For verily or truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Be thou, that's that's a command. It's an imperative tense. Be thou removed. And be thou cast in the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith. Shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Next verse. Therefore. I've said this a few times, but I'm doing it for emphasis. Therefore, is a conjunction. But it's not just any conjunction. It is a conjunction that says this. Based on the facts and the statements made, I am now bringing that to a conclusion of application. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, oh, we know what praying is. Oh, God. Please help us, oh God, please do this, really? Uh not according to the therefore. The therefore equates speaking to prayer. What sort of things you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them, you shall have them. How do I believe? The spirit of faith is I believe it, I speak it. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. So that's the spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I've spoken. So if I have faith and I pray, then how I pray is I speak what his spirit gives me to say because that's his rhema and rhema is what's going to get it done. I don't do it. I'm just a conduit for speaking that rhema. I was hoping this wasn't coming but he warned me so here it is. You can just you'll just have to do this whatever you choose. But he has been teaching me this for some, some time and I have arrived by the grace of God the place that if he says it, I don't care what it is, I'm gonna speak it. And I have no doubt it's coming to pass. Because I've been practicing. Rather, he's been practicing. And it's none of your business. Because I'm not telling you the stuff I've spoken come to pass. Because you wouldn't believe it if I told you. But you don't understand something. He gave it, I spoke it, he did it, and I'm going, okay, okay. Now, what you're saying is, you use this to show me it really doesn't work as far out as that seems. But now you're going to hold me accountable for doing that for the kingdom of God and for the lost souls of mankind, and for the church. And if you've been paying attention, I have done things in this meeting that I've never done exactly like this before, where I've spoken against and for very specific things, audibly, out loud. Who do you think you are? Just an old telephone. Telephone. that receives the message and transmits it. That's it. But I tell you what you do. Don't call me. Don't tell me, oh, Brother Wright, it happened. No. But just pay attention and remember the stuff that was spoken and tell yourself it happened or it's happening. I've shared this before, but the verse that the verses that say, Ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And I've wondered about that and others have asked, and so a couple of years ago I decided, Okay, Lord, you and I gonna settle this. So I sat down at my computer and I started Matthew one one, and I went through the entire New Testament, and every place that I found a scripture that said directly or indirectly that I could ask anything, I copied every verse in the context that that verse was in so I could study the context in which he made those statements. And I copied and pasted every one of those situations into a single document, which ended up being 66 pages long. And then I began to pray and read through that document and study that. And said, okay, Lord, okay, what are you talking about when you make that statement? It didn't really take long because it became abundantly clear that every single time a verse like that is said, directly or indirectly, it was always in the context of the church's authority to pray for the salvation of the lost. laugh and it doesn't bother me if they laugh but there's some folks that don't think it's funny because I have a Holy Ghost hit list I don't know why I came up with that name but it is I got, it's in my it's right there on the iPad all the names on it and I add names when it's necessary I take some off when they die uh, or they change If they don't repent and don't die, they stay on the list. And I will confess that there are things when I pray for them that are pretty extreme. But they don't come from me. Because this is the point. Every person on that list, the hand of God is on their life. He claimed them for his cause and purpose. And he has something specific for them to do in his kingdom. But they're doing their own thing. Some of them sit in service and never get involved in God and the things of God. Others of them, they're out there. But here's the problem. In the plan of God, they are what's standing between lost souls... That God has purpose for them to win, to preach to, and eternity. And with them doing their own thing, there's no one in the plan of God to reach those people. So guess what? God's not going to make you live for him. But he has no obligation to let you enjoy the journey. God's not going to keep you from drinking. But I have the authority to speak that the alcohol won't get you drunk. God can't keep you from taking drugs. But I have the authority and the faith to speak that the drugs won't get you high. God can't keep you from committing fornication or adultery. But I got the faith to speak that none of the equipment works. You, I don't care what you think of that. I literally don't care. I don't care. Why? Because eternities are involved. Well, do you know how embarrassing that is? I don't care. I don't care how embarrassing it is. Somebody needs to get the message. You, God can't violate your will and make you live for him. But he doesn't have to allow the pleasure in sin to work if somebody's got the faith to speak it. He gives his beloved sleep. Do I have to stand by and let the sinner and the rebellious sleep? When their soul And other souls are weighing in the balance? I thought you were with me, but I just found out you're really not. Because this is too weird for you. That's because hell isn't real enough to you. Because if this is weird to you, hell's not real to you. Because if you really believed hell was real, and it's worse than you can imagine, then you would think I wasn't going far enough in the areas in which I could pray. Last year at Cold War, I got to be honest with you, I haven't watched any of those sessions. I just... I just haven't watched any. But I remember, I remember, I remember times in those services. They were because every moment was feeling after the flow to find out where he was going and what he wanted to do because not one time. I, I, there's some of you just not going to believe this. But at least five of those seven sessions last year, I had no idea even what I was supposed to say. When I picked up the mic at 7 p.m. It did not come to me till I picked up the mic. And all these folks are, that oh the devil, all these folks are expecting you to lead this prayer meeting. And my response was, well they're in trouble. Because there's nothing here I can do. Oh, brother, that was powerful. Oh, it was powerful, but I didn't have anything to do with it. That wasn't me. Trust me. That wasn't me. And when, when he was through each evening, it wasn't joy, I felt. It was relief. <sighs> Not because we had gone three hours, but because, Lord, have mercy. The, the weight of every moment of that prayer was unlike anything I'd experienced. And the only way I could survive it was in my one part of my brain and spirit. Cast, 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 cast. Not take ownership. Not let fear get in there. Not try to make it happen. Not try to, nothing. Just yes, be neutral. Be a conduit. Be neutral. Just be a conduit. Just let it flow. Let it flow. But then there were times the stuff coming out of my mouth, it was like I was somewhere out here and I was listening to it. And I'm thinking, you're praying that? You're speaking that? And I've said it, not because of me, but because all the folks that prayed. And God heard. There were things God did last year that have never even begun to be manifested yet. But his word will not return void. And if you were a part of the prayer that the Lord would pull the cover off this political system, it wasn't for a party against a party. It wasn't for an individual against an individual. It was against the system that's trying to suppress the kingdom of God. There has been total upheaval in the political arena of our country since that prayer that we all prayed. And let me tell you something, friend. It was an amazing thing to see. I didn't plan to watch that election night. I really didn't want to see it. I was sitting trying to read my iPad. I didn't. But somebody had it on so it could be seen. And after a while, I started in the back of my mind hearing these, well, we can't explain this, but sure, this is not, it's not going to, that. This is unexplainable, but it's really not going to go that way. This is just an anomaly. It's whatever. And then another anomaly happened, another anomaly happened, another anomaly happened. And then to see the mouse drops of all these people who are the brainwashers of this nation, who have told us what to think and how to believe and all that, and to watch them get to a place where they can't explain a thing, and all of their glibness is absolutely paralyzed, not because of a man, and whether you like him or not, it's not even an issue but because God was pulling the cover off the cesspool called politics in this nation well is he better than the rest of them? is he a politician? but we saw it happen didn't we? And they're still trying to explain it because they can't figure it out. They're tr- still trying to explain it. It's almost a year later and they still haven't figured it out. Well, a couple of you are upset with me over that. I'm not endorsing a man. But I will tell you, God sets one king up and pulls another down. And that doesn't mean a king is holy or righteous, that he sets up. That doesn't mean that, that king he sets up is holy or righteous. Not men. God sets them up, sets them down. There are some, I've got to admit, I really hope they're permanently sat down. I'll stop right there. So the question is, are you going to continue to try to have a harvest by asking or by speaking? So what is it that's supposed to be happening in between the sowing of the seed and the latter rain that prepares for the beginning of the reaping? What's supposed to be happening? Faith is supposed to be happening. Or you could call it something else, which I prefer. Kingdom praying should be happening. I pray every day by the grace of God for those that I'm accountable for, wherever they may be. And I pray for churches and ministries under those people and for the saints that are submitted to them. And I I pray then for the geographical regions that those ministers and churches and ministries and saints are responsible to God for evangelizing. And then I pray, I take authority over and speak the covering over every sinner in their family in that geographical region, every backslider in their family in that geographical region. And I got a third category. I pray for every unborn soul in the womb of the church. I don't put them in the category of the sinner. And they're not the bad slider. They're people with a relationship with God. They have some faith in God. And they're growing in God. And God in his own time and way is leading them into more and more light as he's doing that. And I'm praying that whatever has to happen, that they come fully. That they get born. They're conceived. There's life in the womb. It's there. And many Pentecostals totally live in denial of the fact that a person who is believed, truly believed, is alive. Just like that baby is alive at conception. But faith or conception and birth are not the same thing. About half this audience will attest to that. Right, ladies? Isn't it right that conception and birth are not the same things? So in faith, believing, which is being begotten by the word, conception is not the same thing as being born again. To say they're the same
1: thing totally ignores the whole principle of God.
0: But i wonder how many babies in the womb never get born because the church the mother of us all doesn't do the prenatal care of what she's carrying in her womb of who she's carrying in her womb so that prayer that goes on i know it's changing metaphors but the principle stays the same that prayer that goes on from the time of conception or the seed being sown in the ground to the harvest or the birth That time there is when the mother or the farmer is supposed to be praying. Praying. Why? Because for that all of that to grow, there still needs to be rain. And rain is the supernatural manifestation of God and his approval and blessing upon the fields. And the rain happens because the farmer and his family or in the context of the baby, the mother, she's doing the proper care. But we don't do that. Our solution is, let's have church. Okay. What's the goal of this service? Church. Well, what's supposed to be accomplished in this service? Church. And they look at you like you're crazy. What do you mean what's supposed to be accomplished? We're not trying to accomplish anything. we just have a church. Goal? There's no goal in church. we just have a church. What's your problem? My problem is you. Or more specifically, you're blinded, being blinded by religious tradition. What do you mean? What's the purpose? You mean you get together without having some idea of what God wants to do tonight and what the purpose and direction of this service is? Well, I've got a sermon. So that means God can't do what that service is about till we get to your sermon? Because this is a problem, friend. We Pentecostals are performance oriented. And we're accomplishment oriented because we want to succeed. And that means we finish the sermon and we finish this service and we, we get this done and we do it well so we can be proud of it. And we want to. And if nobody compliments our ser- sermon, we, we feel like we're being rejected. I did the best I could and you can't even tell me good job. Stephen did a really great job. They, complicated, <laughs> they complica- com- uh, complimented his message. They just rocked him to sleep. They so appreciated his word from God, they just said, hey, I'm about to take a forever nap. And they rocked him to sleep. They didn't just speak their compliments. They threw them at him. (laughs) Oh, well, I don't want to be that kind of preacher. I want compliments thrown at me, not rocks. And that's why there's nothing supernatural happening. Because it's okay with you that it doesn't. And my brother, if you can go to church service after service, and the only thing you can say about that service is, well, we had good church tonight. Hmm. Exactly what was it that made it good? Well, it was, we had, it was good singing, and people responded to pretty good praise. And, and I I felt pretty good about my sermon, so it was a good church. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Real good. By your definition of good, that's real good. Nobody's life was changed. Nobody received a word from God. There was nothing supernatural that happened well we're just really not all into all that sensationalism we're just into entertaining singing and oratorical messages we don't need all that mumbo jumbo because we are the new breed of Pentecostals that don't want to offend our sinners by our or our visitors our guests by our extreme behavior. The most amazing thing to me is I am by creation. According to the tests, I'm a visionary. According to personality tests, and I've taken a couple of them at somebody else's instigation. I'm a visionary. So, and then by gifting and calling, I'm a visionary. Whatever all that means, as far as I'm willing to go to that. Okay? And so, my dear wife has to put up with for 49 years the fact I don't live right here today, right now. This is not where I live. My mind and spirit spends most of my time out there. In 47 years of pastoring here, I've never made one decision that only affects today. Not once. Every decision is weighed in the balance of, okay, how's this decision going to affect two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now? Because I don't want this decision to become a roadblock to that. It should facilitate that. It shouldn't be a roadblock to that. Well, how do you know that? You ever heard of the Holy Ghost? You know in here, rather than just trying to put out a fire, I'm trying to start fires, first of all. I'm not trying to put them out, but I'm rather just trying to fix a problem. I'm not trying to fix a problem because maybe the problem is intended to get my attention. You think maybe the problem is trying to get my attention. The Lord's trying to get me to stop long enough and say, Hey, what about this? And so I said all that. To say this: when the most powerful organism in your city finally comes in tune with its head. And the head that's already sitting on the throne begins to speak through and work through that body of His in your city. My. My. How radically different your whole city and area will be. When we finally acknowledge That he is the head. And that we are his body on the earth. We are the body of Christ. This has become in my prayer. My most frequently used term I use. When I talk about the church. I don't use the word church that much anymore in prayer. It's body of Christ. Body of Christ. Body of Christ. And I do that on purpose at the Lord's prodding to remind me that it's not a church it's not an organization it's not an institution but it's the functioning part of christ in this dimension and the only functioning part of christ in this dimension this is his body and the one sitting on the throne does everything and says everything in the earth that he's going to do and say through his body. He's not a ventriloquist. And he doesn't have out-of-body experiences. Either all that he does and says happens through the body or it doesn't get done. But what if the body is paralyzed because it's just existing going through the motions of religion? What happens then? Brother Ryan, I I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do when I go home? What am I supposed to do? I tell you what you do. Why don't you try this for a change? Why don't you quit planning the service? If you're here and you've, and I've been with you and you've done this, I don't remember it. And I'm not picking on you. But it just, oh God have mercy. It makes me want to go get on an airplane and go home when somebody hands me a sheet of paper that says, at this point in time, this minute, minute, we're going to do this. And this minute's later, so-and-so's going to do this. And this minute's later, so-and-so's going to do this. And then, then it's your turn at this time. And I go, boy, you must know God a whole lot better than me. Because it doesn't matter how much I've sought him. He has never given me that. So could you, instead of me speaking tonight, would you teach me how to hear from God so that he tells me minute by minute exactly what's supposed to happen here tonight? Because I've never learned how to do that. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next minute, literally. Well, brother, right? We do that. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I want, to th- I want to think better of you than that. You didn't mean it that way. No, I didn't mean it that way. I really was trying to hope you would interpret what was really behind that statement that I said so I didn't have to say what I really meant to say. What would be wrong with making up your mind? To follow the Spirit every time you come together. Because the church gathering together is the absolute will of God. But why won't we do, why don't we do something really novel? <laughs> this is really a kind of a weird, it's weird, I know it's a novel idea. But why don't we let God be in charge of the service? Can we even try that once a week? Okay, okay, okay. Once a month? Could we really let God be in charge of the service? I really honestly think that in many cases... Worship leaders should be in charge of the church. Because they know what songs they're going to sing a month from now. I often go to the pulpit, don't even know what I'm going to preach. So they obviously have, to have an end with God. I don't know. I don't have it. Be- because they know. They know. And it doesn't matter what's happening. They're going by what they know. Because it's cause It's set. It's, we practiced this. This is the way it's going to be because we
1: practiced it.
0: Brother Wright, you're being unkind. No, I'm not. I'm pleading the cause of Christ and the lost because the, what's standing between Christ and the lost is you and me. And if we're not functioning according to his plan and purpose,
1: then we're not facilitators. We are obstructionists.
0: You know what? The only really way you know, pastor, if people are submitted to you, is if occasionally you tell them no. And I don't do that facetiously. I don't do that frivolously. But there's times that I feel to say no. And I realize that there's many levels to that. And so I think every group of wonderful people that give themselves to playing and leading need to occasionally have a service where the pastor says, thank you for all you've done, but we don't need you tonight. Just to check their attitude. Because if they can't handle that, they don't need to be up there next week. Because they just told you what you needed to know. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Brother Wright, what you're talking about sounds like chaos. Okay, I guess we had chaos here Tuesday night. We had chaos yesterday morning, and we had chaos last night, I guess. And we had chaos today, and we had chaos tonight because... There was nothing being done but following the next step, step by step, as the Lord has led. And I guess all that prayer you felt last night was chaos. and All this conviction is chaos, and all this faith working is chaos, because obviously it hasn't been scripted out. I I hear you, I hear you. Brother Wright, do you know how different this is than what most people are doing in Pentecost today? Uh, No, my mother doesn't let me out much. Really? Do I know? Well, thankfully, thankfully, when you say, teach stuff like this, you don't get invited very many of those places. Is that that sad? No. It's not sad. Because I don't want to be the one to go and speak it and then be accountable for it. Unless I'm not given any choice. There is deep in the Spirit in this service a spirit of utterance. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 10 and read quickly, please. And I'll show you parts a part of this verse we almost never, ever pray. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now there are three offensive weapons. We haven't got to the first one yet. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. That's the end of the list of defensive armor and weapons. Everything after this is an offensive weapon. Take the helmet of salvation and take... It's not there because of the redundancy that's not necessary. So we, our brain supplies it because that's how we talk and take the sword of the spirit, the word sword there are, the, which is the word of God. The word word there is rhema. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. You know, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The rhema that I speak unto you, they are spirit they are life. Right? Here's the second offensive weapon. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Here it is. Number three. Paul said, pray for me. Pray for you, Paul? Oh, yeah. Pray for me. What am I supposed to pray for you? That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. There is a spirit of utterance in here. There is an unction in here that's working at a depth and level that some of us haven't actually tapped down that far yet, but it's there in you right now. It's there. There's a spirit of unction there's a spirit of utterance that's working in this place tonight. It's the spirit of faith. It's the spirit that if yielded to and released, you would speak Rama, not to me, but in the atmosphere.
1: Recognize how I speak to you. Hear it, feel it. Don't recognize it in your intellect, but recognize it in your spirit. Let it feel, let it feel, let it sink deep in your spirit. For this is my voice. You look before you and you see the field. And all you see is an empty field, because you do not see as I see. You do not feel as I feel, but behold, I stand in the field. Behold, I stand in the field today, and I invite you. I invite you to come and stand beside me. Come and wield your swords beside me in the field. For the harvest is before us. The harvest stands right.
0: There are words that the Lord would like to speak into your situation, into your family, into your church, into your field, into your life. There are things he would like to say. There are things he would like to release tonight. But I can't release them for you. These men of God cannot release them for you. God's putting them in your spirit for you to hear, as the voice of God said, for you to hear and recognize and then allow to be spoken. You must speak it. You must speak it. You must speak it. And as we begin to yield to this, The Spirit of God is going to bear witness to all of us. What am I supposed to do, brother? Right, just start speaking, sitting here. I don't care if you sit or stand. For some of you, there's things that's gone through your mind and spirit for weeks and months and maybe years. But you haven't spoken those things. You haven't spoken them out. And I'm saying to you to remember this tonight. That what you're speaking tonight, you will continue to speak. And whatever else God adds to it. That when you go to prayer, your prayer's not going to be asking. Your prayer's not going to be begging. Your prayer's not going to be religious. You're going to go to prayer as a conduit. And you're going to begin to speak. And speaking in tongues is wonderful. But the act of faith is when you're speaking in your language, speaking it out. I want my mind to hear what's coming out of my heart. I want my being to hear what's being spoken by my spirit out of my mouth. I want this natural man to hear what the spiritual man is speaking and releasing into the world where it lives. That's why there are things I speak when I pray every day. I don't wake up asking, I wake up speaking. Come on. We are there. We are there now. We are there now. You're going to enter into the spirit of faith, or it's not happening. And from this night forward, Every time you ask for God to do what He's telling you to speak to do, you will just be cursing the word that He wants you to speak. Because you're asking instead of speaking. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. And when God gives you something to speak to release that rhema as faith and you ask God to do it rather than to speak it as a word of faith you are cursing that word i never
1: said anything like that in my life is it God or not? yeah Some of you are full to death of rhema. Rhema that God has been piling up in your spirit for days and weeks and months and
0: years. God has been piling up rhema in your spirit. But you haven't been speaking it. You haven't been activating that rhema by being God's conduit.
1: You haven't been doing it.
0: Come on, come on. If you're just sitting here and you're not participating, I'm begging you, please leave. If you're sitting here and you're not participating in the flow of this, I'm asking you to vacate this auditorium. At least be courteous and considerate of everybody else where you're not participating and allowing your spirit to become a hindrance to the flow of the ministry of faith in this place. else hear you here's you but God and the atmosphere oh that's right who's the prince of the power of the atmosphere you're releasing Rama into the atmosphere the same word that was released when he said let there be light and there was light. my, 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 it's happening it's happening it's happening it's happening if you know something is the will of God speak it don't ask for God to do his will it's already his will release his will speak his will speak it speak his rhema
1: speak it Those people you've got a burden for, speak what he gives you
0: about them so that they can be saved. Speak to your city. Speak to the church you're a part of. The Lord has rhema. You won't run out of rhema to speak. My God. My, 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 my. Brother, right? What if nothing happens? I rebuke that doubt and unbelief. This doesn't have anything to do with whether or not he's. We're not talking about instant mashed potatoes here. We're talking about the realm of God. If you believe it and you speak it, it will come to pass. Whether this instant, whether tonight, whether tomorrow, it doesn't matter.
1: It will come to pass. I believe in speaking in tongues, but it's not time to speak in tongues. It's time to speak faith.
0: It's time to activate rhema. Speak it,
1: release it.
0: in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus Jesus. oh i'm fine thank you in the name of jesus i release the spirit of utterance I speak into existence the spirit of utterance. I loose the spirit of utterance on you. I loose the spirit of faith to operate on you and in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose it. I loose it in Jesus name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Well, I don't know what else to say. Just listen. It'll come. Just listen. Well, there's things I feel to say, but they sound ridiculous. Not your problem. Not your right. But what if I say it? I think God can handle it. If in your honesty and sincerity, you're speaking it, and it's not his will, I think he can handle that. I think he can, I, can, I think he can do that. He's much more concerned about whether or not you'll speak than that if you're going to speak something that binds him. He's not bound by what you say. He's the one trying to get you to speak. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Itahala Rattahaya, Tie Kala Rattahaya, Ye Kala Rattahaya, Ye Kala Rattahaya.
1: Speak to your family. Speak to your home.
0: Speak to your neighborhood. Speak to your people on your job.
1: Speak to your job. Speak to your school. Speak what the Holy Ghost gives you. Come on. Oh, Brother Wright, this feels so foolish. I wonder who wants you to feel like that. I feel so foolish doing this, Brother Wright. I wonder who it is that would benefit by you stopping. I wonder who would benefit by you shutting your mouth. I wonder who benefits by causing you to doubt and feel foolish so that you won't do it.
0: In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Ha ha. Itaha a la raha taha. I Ma Ma Satata Babaha. If you're done, you're welcome to go. In fact, if you're done, I'm asking you to go. Not trying to be rude, not trying to be unkind, but the Spirit of God's flowing here. And if you're not
1: in that flow, then you're done. It's time to go.
0: I'm not willing for your spirit to drag this down. Honestly, if you're done, it's time to go. No spectators tonight. No spectators tonight. Nobody in the stands with their thumb going up or down. No, no. If you're done, you're gone. Get your stuff together. See you tomorrow.
1: God bless you. If you've got a reason you need to leave, please go.
0: Go, it's fine. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Itaha la 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 ta ha, ilama na 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 mahai,
1: ilaba kasiki e katahiya.
0: Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
1: <speaking in Hebrew> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank
0: you father. Thank you father. Ila ba satatala tataha. Ila man die kasi. Ila Kalarar TAHAYA eta haya laratata taka haya Yela mahaya Kalarar Say to the north, give up. Speak to the south, keep not back. Speak to the east and west to release the children of God to come home. There's all kind of stuff that's in Logos that we have a right to speak because God's just waiting on us to speak it. Speak to the north to
1: give up. Speak to the south to keep, keep, keep not back. Speak, speak to the east and west to release the children of God to come home. renewed. Brought back to him. Hilabu kusakaha. Hilabu kusikie kataha. (laughs)
0: Hello do 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 bokora tata tata haya la Maloro robo Tie bahaya Tiee ki e la bahaya la rata tata haye Ki rela bahaya Tiee In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Maloro robo bahaya now hear me. I'm not trying to stop God or stop you. I'm just, I'm just saying to you, this is not for a, a for tonight only thing. God wants this to become your pattern. He wants this to become your lifestyle. All, all of what we call the Lord's prayer is things we're supposed to be speaking every day. They're things we're supposed to be speaking, not asking for. the name of the lord jesus christ i I release the name of jesus in the earth to be manifested in and through the body of christ especially those under the covering of this authority and i'll pray that a while that your name might be sanctified that your name might be glorified that your name might be praised and honored glory trusted in I release the name of Jesus to save as the word of God says. I release the name of Jesus to be the strong tower of our protection as the word of God says. See a lot of this is praying in the spirit out loud what the word says. I have a right to pray what the word says. Because it's principles. It's principles of God. He wants released into the earth. I release the kingdom of God to be manifested and demonstrated in the earth that the word of God might be confirmed. I loose the the authority of God and the the power of God to take dominion in the earth that souls would be delivered in the name of Jesus from darkness and from blindness and from the spirit of of religious tradition and from iniquity and from heresy. And you, You can go a long time on that, you see. And then, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release the will of God as it's already purposed in heaven. To come to pass in the earth, in, by, and through the body of Christ. Especially those under the covering of this authority. That's how I pray every day. And it goes from there, see. I bind and rebuke the devourer. I command that he loose the resources of the kingdom, and I loose the I command the windows of heaven to be opened, and that the resources of the kingdom be supplied to those that have proven that they will be faithful in giving it to, for the use of the kingdom of God to preach the gospel to every creature. I loose the spirit of grace and the spirit of the fear of the Lord and the spirit of the love of God to convict us and empower us to forgive every sin and every grudge to close every door to the adversary in our lives. I loose the spirit of repentance and the spirit of confession that we would, we would repent of every sin to close every avenue of the adversary. I loose the spirit of grace to empower us to be crucified with Christ so that we will not be led by our flesh into temptation. I loose the authority of God that by that authority we would tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy so that we would be delivered from the evil one. I loose the Spirit of God and the Spirit of grace to search our motives so that everything we're doing is done for the kingdom and by your power and not our own and for your glory and not our own. Let the Spirit of God, I loose the Spirit of God and the Word of God to shine in, our, in my heart and check my motives and bring me into the place that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable to you, Father. A command that every laborer who's a part of the body of Christ would be thrust out, ejected out of their complacency into the harvest field to, to pray, to plow, to sow, to reap, to disciple. Whatever you have to do to do that, Father, I release it to be done that the laborers would not be able to stay in the barn or the house, but would have to go into the fields. How about this one? How about praying Paul's prayer request? Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one. Finally, brethren, pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course. And be glorified even as it is with you. When's the last time you prayed that prayer request? When's the last time you spoke? I command the word of God to have free course. That it would spread rapidly. But be quickly believed and received. That God and his word would be glorified. Oh, it just happens to be in the book. It's a specific prayer direction. The problem is if you surrender to being God's conduit and you pray this way you will never run out of something to pray before you run out of time to pray it. Ever. Because throughout the day as I have unction and opportunity I'm not just praying in tongues But there's things that come and I speak that out. I may be riding down the road. Oh, you can't do that there. Oh, I guess God's not there. I may be in the bed. Well, God can't be there. I hope He is. I may be at the table. I may not say it loud enough for anybody else to hear it. But my spirit of faith says, what comes in here has to be spoken out here or it's not going to happen. Because the word's not released. Well, brother, I, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, you do it. It's just that we spend most of our time speaking carnal negative things that have the same impact except not the will of God. Well, I don't know. It looks like it's going to rain. I hope you got your umbrella. Well, it doesn't always rain when I think that. No, no, it may not. That's just the mercy of God. I'm not talking about living in denial of a lump. I'm just simply saying, I cast that. I fell again the other day. Again. Hurt my neck. It hurts and it's popping. What are you going to do about it? Nothing till I'm told to, except I cast it every day. Here it is, Lord. Here it is. I'm giving it to you. Because this is what I speak and receive every day. Father, I receive, I, I thank you for life, because I receive your life and the life living in this body. It's not mine, it's yours. I receive your health because I'm a part of your body and your body's not sick. So I receive your health. And I receive your strength because you know how weak this body is. So I receive your strength and I live and walk in your strength today. I didn't ask for anything. I confessed what was already being offered but I haven't received And when I ask for it, I'm not receiving it because I'm not believing He's offering it. If we're sitting at the table and you say, pass the meat, please. I don't hear that as, oh, please would you please pass the meat? I'd like to have some of that meat. Please pass the meat. Because if you did that, I probably wouldn't do it because I'm just that ornery. If you're invited to this table, everything on this table is yours to partake of if you choose. If you want some, when you say pass the meat, I'm expecting that that is a confession of your faith, that I'm about to pick up the meat and hand it to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command that this spirit of utterance not be quenched, not be denied, not be suppressed. By the grace of God that I speak to you, I command that by the grace of God that you yield to and function as God's conduit That you might be yielded to in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To Him. That He might speak through you. His words into this earth. Into your world. Into your life. Into your place. Into your responsibility. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind the spirit of disobedience. From the prince of the power of this air. That wants you to disobey God. In Jesus' name, I command your ears to be open, your eyes to see, your heart to hear, perceive, and understand and discern the difference between the voice of the devil and the voice of God I speak that and command it to be so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I command the authority of God within you to be activated I command the authority and power of God within you to be activated and to operate and I command that you would release it that it can operate through you by the
1: speaking of the Rama of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of the Lord
0: Jesus Christ Father you have promised that you're going to do everything in your logos so as your conduit I command that logos be released into the earth to come to pass fully as you promised. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command that the wisdom and the counsel of God be released into the earth to come to pass. I command that every plan and purpose of God be released into the earth to be fulfilled. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Brother Wright, I'm praying for something. But it's not happening, so I guess it's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you again. The only way God can grow you is to test you. Because muscles grow through the resistance. And God doesn't work against His own word but he tests you to see if you're going to continue to exercise that word while all things are resisting it or if you're going to believe the resistance in rather the word. Well, I've got something I've been asking for for a long time. Yeah. I'm sure you have. And I sure pray that somehow you survive spiritually never getting that because there's no faith in that. Because when we think of ask, we really think of begging. Please, God. Aren't you, don't you feel bad for me, God? Aren't I pitiful, God? Aren't you feeling sorry for me yet? Enough to give me what I want, God. (laughs) You're mocking. Oh, yeah. Because I don't believe it any more than he does. Oh, but they're sincere. No, they're not. Just check it out about an hour after they're through praying like that. Watch them joking around, laughing, talking, kidding around. Nah. Nah. No. Nah. Nah. Because my single few moments of speaking, Harema, can accomplish more than your six hours of tears and begging. And our Pentecostal earning it mentality just can't swallow that. I just don't know very many people who have fasted 40 days and are more spiritual after they did than before they did. Because way too many are doing it to either earn something or impress somebody. Well let me tell you something. I've never fasted 40 days. And don't have any intention of in doing it. Unless my father said do it. But I personally don't believe. This is me. You believe what you want. I personally don't believe. He puts a time limit on it. He says I want you to fast. Three days. I want you to fast. He may. He may do you that way. He doesn't do me that way. For me, he says fast today. Okay. Get up in the morning. Fast today. Okay. Get up the next day. Fast today. Okay. Fast today. Okay. Don't you think we need to plan? Oh, he's planned. He planned. He has no obligation to tell you the plan. Because, well, I, it's just amazing how we slipped that in there so humbly. Well, I just came off a 14-day fast. And I just, I just, you know what, unless I'm your authority, not me, but this office is your authority and I have some role of accountability there, if you tell me you fasted 40 days, I I got to wonder what your motive for that was. I really have to wonder. Because fasting is not for the purpose of changing God or his mind. Fasting is for the purpose of changing me. And if I fast and I'm not changed, I just hopefully lost some weight. Because I got no other benefit out of that. But usually if I'm fasting and I'm starving myself because I'm trying to earn something from God, I usually pig out so bad when I finally quit that whatever weight gain I lost is wiped out by what I gain more than I had before I started the fast. I don't know if it's the way God talks to me or deals with me, but I know that one of the men that had a great impact in my life and when i tell you what he said you'll know who it was he said i got all these guys running around fasting and praying praying i just believe we're supposed to feast and believe and until you've seen as many people pr- receive the holy ghost as he did be careful you don't criticize It sure worked for him. I'm not preaching against fasting. I believe in fasting. But I don't believe it's asceticism. Okay? I don't believe it's asceticism. I don't believe it is for the purpose of punishing myself so that I'm earning something from God. I am not speaking against fasting because there's sometimes that how clear I hear just isn't enough. And I, fasting for me is not just not eating, it's trying to still every voice of influence in my life, flesh, world, appetite, still all of those voices so that only His voice is what's coming through clear. Father, I give you thanks and praise and honor and glory for this night. I receive what you've said. And by your grace, I command that what you have said would be released and operative in my life. That you would work in me both the will and desire to do those things that you've said tonight, but also to empower me to daily practice what you have instructed here tonight. I receive it in Jesus' name. I believe it in Jesus' name. I yield to it in Jesus' name and give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. I thank you for every individual that's here and those that have listened wherever they are. I pray that we would receive and practice what you've, you've spoken to us. In Jesus name, amen. I will see you at 10 in the morning or 7 tomorrow night, whichever one you're able to be. That's the last day of this meeting. And In my experience, the last day is usually the best.